answer is out there. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. You're in danger. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. The Matrix. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, hi. Oh my goodness. I'm excited for this one. Me too. Yeah, this, uh, I've had a, we all, I think we all have a long history. I have a big page of notes, so I won't be looking down at my iPad the entire time. I'll try to stay in the moment. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Well, everybody out there listening, my name is and I'm Scott, and these are the movies that made us gay. Back to an evening recording. We were doing these for a few weeks in the morning, but now we're back to our regular old nights. Now, I don't like mornings. Mm-hmm. I sleep in. But we are talking about a really fun movie today with an old friend of mine, Drew Stanley. Hello. And we watched The Matrix from 1999, directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. Yes, indeed. Yep. So, Drew, you wanted to do The Matrix, and it's interesting (laughs) because The Matrix was not on my long list. And when you texted it to me, I'm like, oh, of course. Like, we have to do The Matrix. Yeah, Yeah. clearly, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's important to say, you know, this movie, because the, the two directors are both trans women... Uh, mm-hmm. At the time, had not been out yet, but there's been tons and tons of writing about um, the sort of parallels to a trans coming out experience and the story of the Matrix. Uh, but I think it also is just very queer in general. A lot of queer yes. people can really identify <laughs> with with the sort of journey that you have in this movie. Um, it, it's just, I was very young when it came out, so I did not see it in theaters, but I did mm-hmm. rent it as soon as I could and just loved it. And I've seen it many, many times. Yeah, I mean, we, we're used to doing movies where we usually have to stretch with, like, queer theory or, or kind of explain why we're picking this movie. But this one, definitely when you rewatch it, it hits you over the head. Like, there's oh, yeah. nothing subtle about its themes. <laughs> yeah, it's Which not, is pretty really. cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. It's not even just a trans allegory. There's so many metaphors, and it, it just beats you over the head with them. But it's it's, yeah, there's a lot of that going on in here for sure. But done in the best possible way that it's so interesting that this made it past major movie studios that may have been cautious about themes like this. I mean, these movies were a huge hit in 1999, released March 31st of that year. And yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, totally. It it was a... um... Uh, there's a lot of things that we can we'll talk about later on. I'm sure like different decisions that they made that the studio was a little wary about making uh, that ended up not making it into the movie. But in general, the fact that this movie got greenlit and had the budget that yeah. it did is just wild. And it was, of course, it was a great success. Um, and that was why the Wachowskis were able to sort of just make whatever they wanted to afterwards. <laughs> right. Um, I feel like at the time, the queer of it the trans allegory all of that conversation i feel like it kind of went over the heads of the general sure public yeah, mm-hmm. seeing this i would movie, say so as well too you know? yeah um because i was in college when this movie came out and uh it was my first year I'm not that old but uh, i was in college and um it was an event 
It was yeah. a thing that kind of changed like sci-fi movies. Sci-fi movies were in a weird place with like CGI like effects mm-hmm. where where like they were there but they were real bad still, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um sci-fi movies had like they were, you know very genre specific. They were kind of weird and kooky um but not really respected. Uh this came around it changed a lot of things for, you know, genre movies in general and just it w- I just remember people just wouldn't stop talking about it mm-hmm. yeah you know, it was just this thing where it's like you saw it in the movies you saw it again what was your favorite fight scene who's your favorite character what's your favorite costume like people just dissecting this movie and again kind of blissfully unaware of totally you know, what's really going on under the surface but it I think it got a lot of conversations going and um you know, the Wachowski brothers being credited as, you know, just kind of a singular unit, you know, their names are not really in there individually until later on. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't do, they were kind of reclusive as public figures just kind of led to a little air of mystery about it and about them. Or like when they did make public appearances, I forget which one, is it Lana or Lily, but went to the premiere with like a dominatrix. It was probably Lana. I think yeah. it was Lana. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, so Lana yeah. was the first one to come out after the the Matrix came mm-hmm. out. They uh, were they had not transitioned yet, of course. Um, and then, like, I think it was like two or three years after the Matrix um, came out, and they'd announced the sequels. Uh, Lana did her first big public appearance, and she was Lana at that point. And that was kind of where the the gears started turning for the general public about what yeah. mm-hmm. what was coming there for sure. But even when they made the Matrix, they both, in fact, uh, Lily Wachowski um, just recently did a an interview with with like Netflix to talk about just her legacy, and she's doing a show mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, and I think that was her main thing that she was plugging. But she was talking about the Matrix and how they did have an intentional sort of narrative going on there about being trans but there it was yeah I, like you said pete it just went completely over the heads of most people yeah. they were just like wow this movie is such a cool sci-fi movie this is so crazy yes. you know and there was not really any sort of uh people weren't really thinking about that at that time i guess it wasn't really it wasn't also like culturally out in the forefront right. as much as it is now mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we're started being like a few years ago so i think that's a big part of it too absolutely um at the time i was working at a a skateboard shop and you know all of my coworkers were just like straight dudes you know (laughs) these like kind of like there were girls that worked there but they were like kooky raver girls you know so it was a very interesting specific little pocket of like people that i worked with and you know they all adored it because like the raver chicks loved it like the straight Mm -hmm. skater dudes they were all about it you know because we played like kung fu movies in the store and all that um but there was you know there's the one character switch right right love switch switch is just like this fierce like she's got like the butch you know bleach blonde like hairdo and like she comes out when they're in the matrix and you first see her in there well it's not when you first see her in there but when you know they're all in the matrix together and she steps out in her all white Yep. Titties out. Just <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone else is yeah. wearing like jet black clothing, jet black hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that was a sticking point that a lot of the guys were just like, what's up with it? And they were like, do you think it's because like she's this lesbian? Because they automatically were like, she's a lesbian of because course. she's got short yeah, hair, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. And even at the time, I was like, I don't know. That's weird. I was like, this movie 
is a type of movie that everything on screen is there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Every little bit mm-hmm. so that's, true. that's shown yep. is there because of there was a thought about it. So the fact that this hoe walks out in all white <laughs> with bleach blonde hair and she's so androgynous and she's so kind of has this masculine energy that even Trinity – you know, who is an androgynous character, Switch is even more so. You know? Yeah, Trinity is very feminine at the same... Like, I think Trinity's more on the feminine side of her androgyny, mm-hmm. where Switch is very much kind of in the middle. And in fact, so yes. Switch's character, and you all might have been about to get to this, but Switch's character mm-hmm. actually was written to be a woman in the real world, or, or a man in the real world and a woman in the Matrix. Okay. And Warner Brothers wouldn't go with it. But that was what the Wachowskis had originally, or had originally written into the film. Yeah. And kind of by casting her, they found this common ground. Yeah. Because it sort of works when yeah. you think about that. Yeah. When you look at her performance, you can say that they definitely had that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. just weren't maybe so upfront about it. Yeah. And, you but know, it's she's there, the only one that, like you said, Pete wearing all white. And so they're mm-hmm. kind of putting a spotlight on this character. Like, you need to pay attention to this yeah, person. Yeah, look at know? her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so and that's that's another thing about this movie that kind of just fascinated people that like I was like the nerdy like movie kid you know at the skate shop and like at college and stuff. And so they were all like asking me like what do you think like what does all this stuff mean and blah 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 and I'm just showing them like you know the very first scene of the movie Trinity's running from the cops across rooftops mm-hmm. and like i brought in a vhs of like vertigo and like showed them the opening of vertigo and they were just like oh my god they they ripped it off and i was just like yeah you guys just like watch this movie so closely that you know think about like everything that you're seeing um and that was just me like dummy not even knowing you know pre you know lana and lily coming out and all that stuff right. just just latching onto anything i could i was reading that the Rooftop sets were repurposed from Dark City. Yeah, well, that tracks. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it makes really total sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and that was another thing. I don't think I had seen Dark City at that point. It's been a while since I've seen Dark City. Yeah, I think it needs a rewatch. Well, it it really does, and um, you know, Dark City, The Matrix, and then uh, City of Lost Children, which is a, a French movie. Oh, yes. They mm-hmm. kind of have this like little trilogy of like kooky spooky like weird you know where are we and they call it cyberpunk yeah i think it's because mm-hmm. um uh the the matrix actually was really informed by a lot of different things it's like a, a very big amalgamation movie but they're um it's an anime called ghost in the shell mm-hmm. which is a very yep. cyberpunk movie and has that same sort of aesthetic as those other films that you were talking about too um very dark, very like it's always in a city, like you know, in an abandoned warehouse and stuff like that. Is yeah. always the scene, yeah, raining, <laughs> and the yeah. internet has a huge pr- component of it as well as being very digital at the same time. Right? Didn't I read that that the Wachowskis originally kind of just wanted to adapt Ghost in the Shell, or I'm not sure, or maybe they showed it to Joel Silver. I wonder, just like it's going to be like this, and he was like, "Cool, sure." (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, because they also wanted to add in the sort of spaghetti western feeling to it as well, which you see in a lot of the fight scenes. They have the close up of the person's wrist like cracking as they're facing their opponent. In the scene where Neo and Agent Smith are fighting in the train station, um, the paper bag rolls between them like a tumbleweed. You know, Mm -hmm, it's very mm -hmm. borrowed from a spaghetti western. 
Definitely. I mean, you got to hand it to Joel Silver. He was just a huge fan of their breakout movie Bound with Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon and just went to back for these two. Yeah. That, yeah like, he I don't really, think it would have happened the way it did without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just wrote a blank check with them, with the studio, that yeah. they could do whatever that they want whatever that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, let's get a little kind of refresher on the plot of what's going on in the matrix. And then we can talk a little bit more in depth about it. Um, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, which, and Gorgeous. again, we'll, I guess we'll go into this. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. <laughs> One of my first <laughs> big moments yeah. where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. And even Keanu Reeves so has a very androgynous look to him. Like yeah. he's not super masculine. Yeah, Especially kind of at the time in the 90s where maybe we were a little more used to seeing action heroes like uh, Bruce Willis, yeah, Arnold, mm-hmm. yeah, that Keanu felt very fresh for this movie. He kind of looks like a model. Mm-hmm. And he's very – he's not um, – uh, at least when he's still in the real world and hasn't been taken into the Matrix yet, he's very like – sort of skinny and pasty mm-hmm. looking and not it's he's he's kind of the anti-hero at the very beginning a little bit yeah, yeah. and interestingly he had bulked up for speed yeah huh. you cut, know and cut off all that hair cut off all that hair and it suits him in speed he looks good he uh, it works but he lost a lot of that mass that he had put on for well that. and also i think that keanu was very lucky to get this movie because keanu was at a time in his career where he was getting big hollywood movies like the devil's advocate but he would always be the weakest link in them like he would always be singled oh, sure. out in the review of being awful right. so i feel like if it weren't for the matrix maybe he just would have flamed out and we would just yep. be remembering hey remember keanu reeves from speed <laughs> right I'm, do, do you think he and likes bill and ted do you think he sends like a, a box of seized candy to will smith like every i know <laughs> yeah every year. offered yeah. to will smith will smith was like no thank you i'm gonna go make wild wild west yeah that's gonna be a bigger <laughs> success than the matrix yeah here we go oh my goodness i love will oh smith though and it would have been a very different movie had he been actually ended up being cast as neo oh, for yeah. sure mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i think he was definitely at a point in his not only in his career but just as a person where he wouldn't have been able to step out of Will Smith mm-hmm. and tried to turn it into like a comedy. Right. Right. Would have just been <laughs> Pluto Nash or something terrible. So uh, Keanu Reeves is Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. Mr. Right. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Well, I mean, it doesn't even really start with Keanu Reeves. It starts off Trinity. Like, with Trinity. Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, the rooftop scene is where we, well, we begin with the falling code, of course, Right. And uh, they're talking. There's a phone call where they're talking about extracting Neo. And then it, we get our first shot of a live person where Trinity is on the phone call in this empty room in a warehouse. And the agents have shown up. This bullet time action sequence that we get just launched a thousand parodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Scary movie Shrek. Shrek. They've all done. Yeah. Oh, my God. Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. <laughs> I watched like a supercut or something of it. And I like the Shrek one just like tied my brain into knots so i was like i cannot believe that that exists <laughs> yeah it's insane and it's kind of, and we when we watched it the other night it was also um maybe one of the first instances of that sound effect where all of the audio drops out to that deep boom, boom. right right you know? yeah yeah, Shoom. Exactly. yeah which now just every hollywood trailer has that sound effect in For it sure. somewhere yeah, yeah. regardless like, of the uh, genre 
or any of the like Christopher Nolan movies. Like that's a huge. Yes. Movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's interesting because that's a big money shot special effect. And it is the first yep. scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, They're just like, this is the world you're going to be in right they now. They get, get right used to into it. it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and you get introduced to, you don't get like this sort of synopsis thing. They're just like, mm-hmm. you're going to just, you're going to buckle into this. And you're going to drop the audience into it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a shittier movie would have had like a crawl. Probably like a text like card. A text yeah. card or something. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh, what is going on? I, this is too much information. But you're, but it's more effective that you're just like, who is she? How is right. she doing this? Right. Yeah. A crappier and you get movie that. would have done like the whole – they would have had the scene with Morpheus introducing Neo to what the Matrix is. That would have been at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get that beautiful Carrion Moss mug. That face <laughs> on Carrion Moss is so beautiful. Uh, so yeah, she is gorgeous in this movie. For well, in general, but in this movie especially, she's just like she's always wearing like basically just like vinyl or plastic yeah. <laughs> as clothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Carrion Moss too, like such a fascinating choice that I would imagine I would imagine that the Wachowskis would have had to gone to bat for her because she was not a movie star, she was not a name. She yeah. was just sort of a working actress at the time, and you could have easily put in someone like Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock in this role, but they wanted to do an unknown. Yeah, didn't they? Weren't they looking at Sandra Bullock for Trinity at one point? Am I mistaken? I, I had read in some like listicle that they even offered Sandra Bullock Neo. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And then Trinity would have probably been male at that point. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like Sandy, you made the net. You can yeah. do it. <laughs> get in there, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we get this crazy, you know, intro fight scene, this super cool, like, jump situation that she does. She's climbing up walls. She's, like, jumping out windows, jumping across, you know, huge chasms. Love that shot of her going through the window and then landing on the ground mm-hmm. and uh, drawing her gun. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah. get up, Trinity, get up. Yeah, yeah. Really and Trinity, cool. like, bless this character, has inspired many a drag queen and oh, stripper. Yes. That oh, just yes. the legacy of Trinity lives on. Yeah, yeah. I hope well, Carrie Moss is aware of this legacy. Like, I hope she like knows that she has this like drag following. <laughs> she inspired so many young gay boys. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And girls, maybe or otherwise. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's she's evading these police officers but also you know what we find out is this agent and um who is like more powerful than the actual like humans just as powerful as her Your men are already dead already dead yeah <laughs> love it we get hugo weaving with love that, hugo like, weaving so this good. movie yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he does um, a great with that job. hairline yeah he's really good and i feel like i don't know there's something about him i just think he's really handsome in this movie yeah he does he mm-hmm. looks i'm very just handsome. like Ooh, yeah. okay you give me that jurors my diction crap you cram it up your ass the orders were for your protection <laughs> i think we can handle one little girl i sent two units they're bringing her down now no, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. <laughs> Something like man and... just, like, never smiling the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love a man in a sharp suit. Well, and, okay, I was going to ask, like, the color scheme in this movie is very specific. Yes. And it's, um, are their suits brown? 
that the agents are wearing I or think, are they black i think it mixes with the oh the, so their suits are like a tannish brown yeah yeah i think they're like a dark yeah but it I might notice that it might make it more of an illusion because the entire movie or at least when they're in the matrix has a green mm-hmm. filter over it it's yeah so it might they might actually be more of like a white or a beige, you know, like an off-white color. But yeah, they're 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 wearing tan suits the entire time. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, she makes it down to this phone booth. She picks up the phone, and right as she's going to be like ran over by a dump truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we don't see it. It's really cool. It's it's smart that they don't show us what happens to her. They right. just show the phone booth and uh listeners a phone booth is uh <laughs> so back in 1999 there weren't cell yeah the cell phones were the size it's of a refrigerator <laughs> and it was stuck to the ground yeah <laughs> so you just see the hanging phone you don't see like a mangled corpse it's just the phone and then the camera like goes into the phone and again this is like 1999 cg where they were able to do things with the camera that you had never done before. This is also a pre-Fight uh, pre Club, too. Yes. Yeah. Fight Club was out in October, yeah. and David Fincher does similar things in that movie. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably somewhat inspired. Yeah. But again, this is... I feel like Fight Club is like a genre-ish movie, but it takes place in somewhat of a real world. Yeah. Whereas you kind of let those crazy shots go, and for... David Fincher to use those crazy like camera angles where they go like into a phone and all that in kind of more of a real world setting is elaborate really, digital shots yeah, in that movie. Really, really yeah. interesting choices. <laughs> but um, so then, you know, we got we cut to Keanu Reeves asleep at his desk and you guys, he has three monitors at his desk hacker (laughs) (laughs) who would need that many monitors on their computer at home i'm telling you (laughs) if you're trying to get into the matrix you need at least three yes and and they're like huge crt monitors Mm -hmm. that are like just the old like tube he's gonna need a lot of desk space yeah (laughs) desk space for those Yeah. Um, he also had one of the, he also has an ergonomic keyboard that you're like, oh, he means business. That's right. That keyboard your is hands like. hands are like splayed to the sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which now I use at work and can't type without it. But um, <laughs> you, that's just something that you telegraph to like the audience at home. It's like, look at the setup that he's got. Right, this is right. not, this is not the computer room in your, you know, in your parents' house. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like work at the radio shack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's interesting that he gets like wo- he gets woken up by his computer, and it's like this crazy like interface is talking to him. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just like, okay, wake up, Neo. Yeah, yeah. but he he's just like I don't know. Maybe he just thinks he was asleep because there's a knock on the door mm-hmm. right after it says knock knock, and you're like, what? <laughs> um, it turns out that he's pirating software. So he makes uh, yeah, he like makes software that. It essentially makes viruses, I guess. Um, and sure. actually, in this scene, when he goes to pull the floppy disk out to give to the people at the door, um, the book that he opens is a copy, I believe, of um, Simulacra and Simulation, which is a mm-hmm. really big inspiration for this film. And they, and they made a little cameo for it there in that scene. 
in the hollowed out book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hollowed out. You think it's a book and it's not. Nothing is as it seems. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this group of people that come to the door, this guy is just like, he looks like such a dirtbag. But he's got, like, the sexy girlfriend. I was going to say swung this model-looking girlfriend <laughs> with the white rabbit tattooed on her. Yeah. So they go to a, a bondage club. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was reading that this was shot at the Hellfire Club in Sydney, Australia, where they shot the movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the extras are just club patrons of the Hellfire. Oh, so it's just, like, they, really a goth club. And they just brought their own wardrobe to it, oh, which I think amazing. is pretty cool. Yeah. And you hear so that. It, it, we get Rob Zombie and the Prodigy in this scene, I believe. Which... Yeah, it starts off with Dragula by mm-hmm. by Rob Zombie. Uh, is it Rob Zombie or is it White Zombie? It's Rob I Zombie. I think it's Rob yeah. Zombie, yeah. Dragula is kind of a fun song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nostalgic, yeah, for better or yeah. worse. It's nostalgic. <laughs> is it on, like, That's What I Call Music, like, 2 or something? Right, yeah, probably around there, yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, Neo is having a terrible time. He is just not enjoying himself at this at this club. He didn't even want to go. Oh, but some th- did the computer tell him to follow the white rabbit? Yes. Yeah, the- yeah, the last message from the computer is follow the white rabbit. And then he looks right. around and sees it on her shoulder, the tattoo. Yeah. Yes. On du jour, her name is the character's name is du jour. Mm. I love it. <laughs> and he knows so- he knows it's that Trinity is trying to talk to him, but doesn't know like he thinks Trinity is a man, which he tells her in this scene. And she's like, that's what everybody thinks. <laughs> yes. As most like computer hackers yeah. of the time probably were. Right. Right. Cause he, cause he recognizes her name from the net, from the yeah. net. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> as they would say back then, <laughs> but that's another, but that's just another thing of that theme of like, you know, thinking she was a man and most people think I am and, but she shows up and she's a female and all that. It's just these ideas of, yep. you know, gender and, and all that. And I guess your handle, what they call themselves, their hacker names is just kind of like that just becomes their name, mm-hmm. in, yeah. you know, in the real world later on. And that actually is another thing I think that can go with the transness of this movie as well. Mm -hmm. When I watched this movie uh, last week, I watched it with my roommate and she made a good point that when uh, Agent Smith constantly calls Neo uh, Mr. Anderson, he's saying Mm -hmm. like, you can't go and you can't become like who you actually are. You need to come back into this simulation that I want you to stay in and be trapped in, you know? I think that was a very intentional thing that they probably did was this sort of dead naming that Agent Smith is doing to Neo. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say it's very very drag to just be like, well, I chose this name and everybody just calls me that. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody calls me, you know, Thomas or whatever. But, um, yeah, we we get this uh, this meeting between the two of them. We find out that she – he says some nonsense about hacking a mainframe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. Very... <laughs> Just skip over that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she she hacked some mainframe. Doesn't matter. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep. Why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. You're looking for him. I know because I was once looking for the same thing. And when he found me. He told me I wasn't really looking for him. I was looking for an answer. It's the question that drives us here. It's the question that brought you here. You know the question, just as I did. 
What is the matrix? The answer is out there, Nina. It's looking for you. And it will find you if you want it to. You know, his alarm goes off. He's late for work. He goes to work at, at Metacortex, this, you know, huge <laughs> yeah. software company, Metacortex. And, I mean, I've been in the software industry for a while now, and I've yet to see anyone wearing a suit. Yeah. Ah, much, yeah. Less, much less a, pro, a programmer. This movie kind of yeah. predicted a lot of things, but that was one of them that was very wrong, is that tech companies yeah. do not make you wear suits usually to work yeah. to work in your cubicle. <laughs> no, not at all. I wear I wear like shorts and a t shirt most of the time. <laughs> but my but my management team is uh is a thousand miles away, so Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're not exactly <laughs> keeping tabs on what I'm wearing. But um Yeah, he's getting reprimanded for uh showing up late to work. Yeah, I day. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he uh, gets to his cubicle, and the the FedEx envelope comes, and it has the coolest Matrix phone in it that I wanted so bad oh when yeah. I first got or first saw this movie. That would have been a pretty cool phone in '99. Yeah, especially in in Montana, <laughs> where you like yeah. you, you hit the sides of it, and it clicks open really quickly. <laughs> I was telling Scott there was a kiosk at the mall that would sell, uh, you know, the little, like, covers for the Nokia phones, and they mm-hmm. had, like, a fakey version of that. It covered up the the number pad, and you could, like, squeeze the sides, and it dropped. <laughs> it wasn't, like, spring-loaded or anything. It just kind of slid down. Right, right. It, was, was, the, like, it was a knockoff. No. Yeah, I was totally knock off. I mean, it was a kiosk at the mall. We're, these were not, <laughs> these were not a, yeah. official uh, Nokia products. But... Um, and this is when Agent Smith and mm-hmm. his goons mm-hmm. are trying to find him. And he's talking to Morpheus over the phone. And he's telling him to go outside. Yeah. Because they're going to get him out. Well, they're kind of setting up that wherever these people are, they kind of – they're watching him somehow. Because mm-hmm. he's like, turn left, turn right, duck down, whatever. Right. Go out this window. And he's just like, you're on a – I'm on a cell phone. Like, what the hell? Where are you? Um yeah, they try to get him to go out this window at the scaffolding, like the fiftieth floor or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of this is in camera that they got Keanu out on a ledge. Oh, oh they actually filmed I mean, it out on a ledge. Okay, mm-hmm. that's crazy, but I believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that were done in camera where I was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah. Um. When Neil gets caught by Agent Smith and we have our little sit down, um, this is kind of when we figure out, okay, shit's really, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on because, you know, they do the whole, like, they erase Neo's mouth. They, like, they, like, unleash this little, like, metal insect into his body, like, all this craziness. So gross. Yeah, super creepy. Super gross. But, um... Do they even really tell him why? They're just like they, they interrogating to, him. They wanted to give up who he was talking to, and then they say oh, right. they know right. he was talking to Trinity. Um, right. And then they, they do that to just say, like, he can't speak, and also that they're going to put this tracker in him as well. Right. And then he wakes up again thinking that that, that was also that a was dream. That was a dream. Yeah, yeah. And that leads into the scene where they extract it from him. <laughs> yes. They pick him up in the car. This, like, crazy car. It's like a limo. Yeah. With, like, suicide yeah. doors. Um, I love that a lot of the um, 
like uh, design choices, like the car that they pick him up in, you know, when, um, when Morpheus is talking to Neil later on, there's like a television. A lot of it's like really like from the fifties, like really yes. vintage looking, mm-hmm. yeah. especially the, the room that they go into Vintage looking furniture and design. Um, and I guess that's just style choices that Morpheus kind of made probably. Because... Yeah. Cause I believe the chair that he's sitting in makes a couple more, uh, appearances throughout the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of yeah thing. with a little like like they have like are there a little like little lion heads on the like arms yeah or yeah something? <laughs> yeah when they um they they pick him up under this bridge it's like raining it's very atmospheric this is where we first see switch mm-hmm. and she's like and she's calling him copper top and she's just like fuck this guy like she doesn't want him around she's ready to like ditch him she means business um Trinity has this crazy, like, device. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it has, like, an electric shock thing. That, like... Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's it's made to look like they built it themselves. But, like, you know, if they are outside of the Matrix and they are hacking into this program, then they're able to make it look like whatever they want, right? Right, I, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess they just made it look like this this weird, like... I don't even know. It's got like handlebars on it. It's so crazy. And looking. it has like an ultrasound screen on mm-hmm. it. If you look at it, it's the same you see like when someone posts an ultrasound photo to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The same yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all this to get Neo back to, you know, he has to have his, Morpheus. he has to have his big sit down with Morpheus yeah. where Morpheus kind of breaks down what the matrix is. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how familiar with the two of you are with this whole situation of like the alt right kind of trying oh, yeah. to ape this whole like take the red pill situation, and it's like, do did you watch the movie? <laughs> yeah, or like understand <laughs> what the movie was about, like that it's like good versus evil kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, but of course that's all subjective. But yeah. Um, that I was going to mention that this has been since extremely co-opted by the men's rights yeah. activist alt-right wing of the mm-hmm. internet. Yeah. Do you remember when, uh, I think it was, I think it was Lana, when she replied to, <laughs> to Ivanka, Ivanka Trump, Trump. To fuck you. Like, yeah. fuck the both of you. Well, I think Ivanka Trump <laughs> both was of replying you. to uh, Elon Musk. Because Elon Musk was like, he just tweeted like, take the red pill. And Elon, or... Er, Ivanka was like, yes, please, or something like that. And then Lana <laughs> replied, like, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, here's the creator of the Matrix telling you that. Yeah. In, in like three simple words. Fuck right. you both. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I understand that, like, film is supposed to be, like, interpretive and, like, you can sort of apply your own life to it sometimes when you're interpreting these stories but it's like this movie was made by two trans women like it's yeah. specifically yeah. a story about being trans you can't you can't put that with a anti-feminist men's rights activist movement <laughs> yeah yeah totally ugh disgusting are they still appropriating that I mean ugh, yeah I think still it's still a thing that, a thing to say thing. is like on whatever message boards is to say like when you get quote unquote Putting, putting big quotes around this red pilled is that you mm-hmm. you realize that you're living in this you know feminist 
you know, oppressive society and that the real world is waiting for all these men. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> oh man. All right. And that's the last time we're going to talk about yep, that. No more air time for that. <laughs> no, we're, mo- we're moving forward. Um, what I remember when I, when I, because uh, I bought the VHS of this and I watched it a lot of times, is that you know they really use Morpheus's mirrored sunglasses yes. to great effect. Yes. In this. Oh, that shot is so. Cool and they with the pills. and they yeah. don't so have cool. any uh, and they don't have any like uh, frames that go behind his ears. Yeah, there's they no arms. Sit, they just sit right on his nose. Yes. Yeah, he just like pinches them on when he puts them on. <laughs> yeah, like old timey, like Ebenezer Scrooge style. So um, was this? Was Sean Connery offered Morpheus or the Oracle? Okay, no. I know that's that's speculated so, of which one it was. So the, the the story goes that Sean Connery turned down the Matrix and turned down Lord of the Rings because he didn't understand either of them. Right. <laughs> and every, Understandable. Which is fine, yeah. And everybody assumes that he was offered Gandalf and Morpheus. Oh. But I don't know that... They were just like, you know who'd be great for Morpheus, this kung fu master? Sean Connery. He was in his 70s. Yeah. Yeah, he was was elderly back then. Yeah. Yeah. So my theory is it was most likely the architect from the sequels. Oh, yeah. Sure. Because that that actor even looks like Sean Connery. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And (laughs) I can see Sean Connery playing that character, too. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole story about him, you know, offering, getting the offer and passing came out years after the movies were released. Yeah. So there's nothing saying that it was, you know, it was for the first movie. So I'm pretty sure it was for the architect character mm. um, in the sequel. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I yeah. hadn't read that. And yeah. for Lord of the Rings, it's probably Theoden. I think he was either Theoden or um, uh, Boromir's father. I mean, he got to make his... Jumped off the cliff on fire. He got to make his his steampunk masterpiece, The, the League, League of Extraordinary, of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> God, that that I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm really onto something, guys. I think I I think I got it. I'm gonna hit uh, it. Gonna be the next big thing. A friend of mine uh, and I went to see The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in the theater. We walked out. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> so I I've yet to talk about when when I first saw this movie in the theater. The so I saw the Matrix at the Judith Drive-in Drew. Amazing in our small town. To see it. Yeah, I remember I got to sit with all of my sister's cool high school friends, which I, me being in just finishing up my eighth grade year, thought I was the shit. Yeah. Sitting with all the cool high schoolers outside in lawn chairs. And then I went to it the night after with my stepdad in the actual theater. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I saw it two nights in a row. Nice. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So I was nine or ten when this movie came out. And so I did not see it in theaters. But I remember, and you'll be very familiar with this, Scott, is I got it from the movie store uh, in Lewistown. And, um, Love it. I was at a friend's house and we rented it. And I remember watching it and just like, you know, I was like... I guess when it came out, I was nine or ten, so I would have been like eleven or twelve when I saw it on on DVD mm-hmm. or on VHS, and just it like split my little brain open. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite the movie for like a kid sleepover. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna totally. put on the Matrix. Yeah, and you think you're so cool watching it too, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since I was like eighteen, probably at the time, 
when I saw it, 17 or 18, um, I remember that the one thing, the one thing that, like, got my goat was the trailer showed, like, a lot. Of oh, it really, shows everything. Really cool special effect shots. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was just like, oh, they, we saw all that. <laughs> well, I almost kind of think that with Warner Brothers at the time when promoting this movie, I think they were probably very nervous when marketing this movie. Is this yeah. going to be a movie that people are going to get and see? Yeah. And they put yeah. it in a really weird release date, the end of March. Yeah. Which now, like, Captain America movies can come out in the month of March. But back then, for, like, a huge platform movie, opening it in, in the spring mm-hmm. was a very conscious move. That almost that they didn't know where to put it. So we're going to put it at the end of March, spring break. Yeah, and they had spent yeah. all this money on it, and they were just, like, probably not very confident that it was going to do very well. And we're going to put every money shot in the trailer because we want your ass in the movie yeah, theater. Yeah, they really probably pushed the special effects because they're yeah. like, there's nothing else to see here. Just watch the bullet time. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it put asses in the seats. It worked. Yeah, you know, it, it got did. us all to go see it. And and I just, that was another thing that I remember people talking about it so much after the fact and people seeing it multiple times in the theater. Twice was, in a row? Yeah. You saw it two days in a row. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah, that, I, that is wild. Yeah. I know I saw it multiple times in the theater. I know I saw it twice, but I don't recall uh, how long after I saw it the second time. But yeah, I bought it. I, I snatched it up on VHS as soon as I could. And... Um, Did it look beautiful on... On, on tape on my 22 inch tv <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly it did look great on tape i, I, I think the graininess probably added to the the uh scenes in the right. room or, or in the matrix yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> made it more atmospheric right yeah right. i love it <laughs> so all the stuff where um neo wakes up and like he's in that pod and it's his like and this is his rebirth because this is the real Neo. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's never used his eyes before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that stuff always grossed me out. I was, uh... <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's actually a great essay I read last night um, in Vox. And for listeners, if you want a good sort of rundown of, of the Matrix being a trans allegory without reading a lot of academic material, it's um, called... Uh, how the Matrix universalized a trans experience and helped me accept mm-hmm. my own by Emily oh, wow. Vanderwerf. Um, and this this scene is what the author opens with because on the internet there's apparently um, uh, on some online trans communities there's a uh, term called egg and it just means people that haven't realized that they're trans yet. And oh. so this scene is very like uh, the author talks about this very reminiscent of being an egg where you're sort of in this translucent bubble and then you break out of it, you know, and realize that you're trans. Ah, the rebirth. The Interesting. Rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. In his big pile of goo. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Among all okay. of your millions and millions of egg people plugged into the matrix. <laughs> yeah. Which I was just thinking the other night, I was like, why, why are they continually like, making new people like these robots should probably just be cloning people and it would just be fields and fields of the same damn person that would be more efficient but you know (laughs) yeah then the movie wouldn't be very interesting (laughs) yeah and i guess we're led to believe that the machines are extremely sadistic and want the humans to have like little personalities and stuff in the the matrix (laughs) right Right. oh yeah because something about it making the matrix actually work better 
right because yeah. they would like sure. reject it or something yeah, if they, yeah 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 there you go. All right. Yeah. Do you remember? Okay. Yeah. This is how like <laughs> deep into it I was. There after the Matrix came out, but before the, uh, Reloaded, they released the Animatrix. Yeah. Which was yeah, which mm-hmm. was a uh, anthology DVD that had you know um, six or eight. I don't remember how many mm-hmm. different little animated shorts, and they were all done in a different animation style. And they all took place in mm-hmm. the in the world of the Matrix, and um, I think it came out right before Reloaded because it kind of alluded to Jada Pinkett's character yep. and another like young boy character that was you know in the real world and all that. But yeah, I bought that, and that was really fun. I don't know if I'd be if I'd be very like down to watch it again. Sure, <laughs> I was thinking about the Animatrix today. Now, question: When mm-hmm. I know that it was very public for the casting of Reloaded that Aaliyah got mm-hmm. oh, the, yes. got a role yeah. right before she died. Was right. it the Jada Pinkett role? No, it was not. Okay, yeah, it was, I think I think it was um, a role of someone who lives in Zion, the underground city where all the humans it w- live. It's the girlfriend of um, Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet. Harold Perrineau. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's mm-hmm. got like a girlfriend character. And Harold Perrineau is only in it because the actor that is uh, in this movie that they were going to bring back, he's kind of the guy that like is behind the computer mm-hmm. talking to everybody, uploading Tank? everything. Tank. Um Marcus Chong. Marcus Chong kind of uh, – yeah, he, he, he went out. a little Terrence Howard on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, – Like he wanted that – that Keanu Reeves money. Yeah. Yeah. I was and talking to my said, friend about the matrix hit before, the road. <laughs> before we recorded tonight. And he sent me this, um, there's like a YouTube video that Marcus Chong made of a doc, a documentary of himself. Oh, just talking about how he was wronged. And oh. uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but uh, <laughs> y'all can look it up if you want. <laughs> oh, well, oh. <laughs> when you're like the seventh lead of this movie, you kind of have to know your place. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And I wonder too if he had already been replaced by Harold Perrineau in the sequel because Aaliyah and he have a very big age difference. So mm. I think it might have worked more with Marcus Chong if yes. he was still in the role, mm-hmm. having Aaliyah be there. Um because she's about my age and um So Harold, she would have been around like twenty. She would have been about yeah, mm-hmm. like if that, um, you know, and Harold Perrin was like 15 years older than me. So I'm like, okay, all right. But um, yeah, but the se- the sequels are a whole other, that's a whole other story. I've never seen Reloaded. <laughs> oh no, I, I've never seen Revolutions. I've never seen the third one. The third one, yeah. yeah. I, the third one's Revolutions. Yeah, yeah they, they really are a whole other episode. Um, yeah. I, I think I think they get a lot of uh, flack and right, rightfully so in some ways, but I I uh, I do intend to rewatch them eventually. Um, I remember being slightly disappointed, but still sort of just like sitting back and enjoying the ride. You know, you know, they introduced me to Monica Bellucci, and so I think sure. I thank them <laughs> for that. Go. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, who is she though? I remember <laughs> she's everything. I remember when Reloaded came out the summer of two thousand three. I was in Europe. Mm-hmm. With uh, our history teacher and Agent Smith was all over like the Paris subways, oh. like oh, okay, that's for like promotional stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. 
actually speaking of the animatrix uh i i listened to the episode last week of the cell and i almost died laughing pete when you talked about matrix gaze and the video (laughs) (laughs) the video of the goths uh dancing under the underpass under the overpass (laughs) yeah yeah my husband and i have watched that video many times and laughed and laughed and laughed Um, did you find the um the all i want for christmas is you recut of it no, the, Mar- the Mariah Carey edit. Is oh, right, everything. you mentioned you that too. To, yeah. yeah, no, but I, I, I definitely need to watch that tonight for sure. But yeah, that <laughs> definitely is a thing that the Matrix spawned this sort of subculture that was already into cyberpunk, but it just gave them mm-hmm. more of a like a more mainstream outlet, I guess. Um, yes, and yeah, I can, I can definitely see the Matrix gaze sort of blending into that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the chain um, pants. yeah lots of yeah lots of chains and appendages and things flying around um just talking really briefly about the sequels the interesting thing about this movie is that it's tied up very nicely at the end yes it it does so if they didn't get the sequels i would have been like cool wouldn't sequels have been great yes but Mm -hmm. it it works as its own and you know I thought that I read somewhere, maybe you know this, Drew, that this movie was intended, the story, to be a trilogy of movies, and they just had to pare down the story to one movie. So there's almost three movies in... In The, in the Matrix, in the first the one. In The Matrix, yeah. the first one. Yeah, I, I thought think that that's I read what that. it was. Yeah, because I, I think that they didn't know if they were going to get the budget that they got, so they were kind mm-hmm. of, I, I think, going back and forth about you know, cramming in three movies or just having this. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, And I will say this about the pacing of it. Mm-hmm. In my memory, this movie is like three hours long and <laughs> yeah. is slower. But then when you revisit it, it is moving right along. Yeah, totally. It is, it is like off the ground and running from the very beginning. Yeah, I agree. I, when I rewatched this, it was the first time I'd rewatched it in quite a few years. And mm-hmm. I think as like now that I'm like, you know, in my 30s, I sort of watching it now, it seems to just move a lot quicker than when I watched it as like, you know, a preteen, basically. Same. It just seems yeah. so long. And I, I don't know why, maybe because there's a ton of dialogue, but there's not really. It's like a lot of action scenes and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it moves along really quickly. And just like we said, and, you know, before, like, the very beginning you're just dropped right into it and it just yeah. moves it just goes 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 you know yeah i think that's partially why it kind of the pacing feels the way it does because you have to you don't have any time to like stop and think about it because you're just like what the hell is going on mm-hmm. so like in your head you're you're trying to keep up so it's kind of maybe it's making the pacing move a little faster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. george lucas said that about about the first star wars movie <laughs> that uh that fans thought that it was that the pacing was too fast in the seventies. Meanwhile, we watch a new hope now and you're just like, Oh my God, how long is this <laughs> yeah, movie? Seriously? <laughs> Where is Luke Skywalker? What? But he tell, but George Lucas honestly tells a story about how it's that the weird seventies pacing of movies, but he tells a story that the notes were from the audience that they couldn't keep up because they were so confused, but it was just because it was such a new, everything about Star Wars and A New Hope was just like brand new. Yeah, totally. And that's very similar to what's going on in The Matrix. We, people at the time were just like, what is this? Yeah. What yeah. is this? You know, we knew the internet and we knew like, you know, like uh, industrial music and all that stuff, but it was just like so in your face. This is, 
this very specific and it's a story matter that when you revisit this movie now it makes a lot more sense than when you first watched it i know that's kind of a weird thing but i think that with the internet and like kind of where culture is now the story is a lot easier to follow than it was yeah. back yeah. in 99 yeah i think also our like just as a culture too we 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 consume so much information now that following a movie like this is not like as arduous as like it was to follow Star right. Wars in the nineteen mm-hmm. seventies. Absolutely, yeah. I also absolutely. thought about this today too. If the Matrix were made today, they wouldn't really have to change much. Like, yeah, I mean, sure. it pretty much like nails. I mean, the internet is now a really awful cesspool, which they kind of predicted in the movie. But it's yeah. like uh, most of the movie is pretty spot on with what we're living in now. You know, get yeah. rid of some hard disks. <laughs> yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, maybe do like at least a USB, like a thumb drive. In yeah, that book. yeah. <laughs> no more, no more zip disks. So kind of track, so kind of tracking Neo's journey when he finds the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he sort of finds out this is the real world, and they start to program him with training, like fighting and stuff. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about the fact that Morpheus is just hellbent on this idea that Neo is the one. The Messiah, right? yeah, yeah. Yes. And, you know, Neo and the one are like anagrams of each other and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of of movies having a prophecy and a chosen one, it's um, it's kind of old hat at this point. It's yeah. a, almost a little cliched, you know, um, but I don't know. I think it, it works to good effect here because it's it mm-hmm. it informs everybody's kind of uh, perception of of Neo as a, as this person that's been brought into their group. We've got the Oracle who kind of tells everybody different things about the one and, the, you know, their journey with the one and all of that. She tells Trinity that she's going to fall in love with someone. And the person that she falls in love with is going to be the chosen one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know? And, um, I guess she just straight up to- tells Morpheus, you are going to bring the one that's going to save us out of the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, that also the whole savior thing too, is another, like yet another thing that the, that the Wachowskis borrowed, uh, was just sort of like a biblical storyline. That, right. Like, mm-hmm. There's even like a, a death and rebirth scene at the very end of this movie, you know, where he dies mm-hmm. and comes back and he's got all these superpowers now, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very much so. It's very easy for audiences to relate to. I think that's why you see yeah. uh, archetypes like that a lot. Yes. Is yes. that is that part of the uh, the hero's journey? Not well, I think so. Yeah. Does it fall into that? What's uh, what's that um, that author? That, I mean, that all informed Star Wars mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings and all of that. But, um, yeah, that's a you, you can look that up. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, Neo's not convinced, you know, that he's that right. he's the one. And when we do go to see the Oracle, I love this scene. It's a very fun scene. Um, yeah, it's one of the best you, scenes in the movie. You, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about things being green in the Matrix. It is Emerald City <laughs> yeah. when he walks in yeah. to the, yeah. the Oracle's apartment. <laughs> I think even her dress is her, her dress. Her dress is green. I think in this yes. scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her her clothing. Her clothing is all green. Her 
you know, the tiling, everything. <laughs> it's all green, greens and browns in, yeah. in you know, yeah. in her apartment. And um, and also kind of a gag that we forget about being the audience member for the first time when you watch it, that the Oracle is an old black woman. Mm-hmm. You expect yep. that it's a man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He just, all Morpheus says that the Oracle is very old and um, they've been with us, for, you know, since the beginning of the resistance and all that stuff. And you walk in and it's just a sweet little old black lady making cookies. Yep. She's mm-hmm. making cookies. Yeah. She's making, yeah. In the sequels, or maybe she actually, I think she smokes in this one too, but in the sequels, she does. She just yeah. Smokes like a chimney. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that actress, that actress died of lung cancer. I think that she, she died yeah. pretty. Yeah. I think that it was during production of Reloaded. Well, they replaced her in the third movie. Mm-hmm. And they oh. just played it up like it happens. It's just, it's, it's just a computer program. Yeah. This is not what I look they like. They can take different it's forms. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Although going from a sweet elderly black woman to. Another sweet elderly black woman. I feel like maybe they, if that was truly the case, like, oh, it doesn't matter what I look like. It's I'm just a computer right, program. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Make her a, a puppy or I don't know. <laughs> I always really love when rewatching this movie, the inter- the interaction with the little bald kid and the spoon. Yeah. I was spoon just boy. Say, yep, there is no spoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead. Instead, only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. There is no spoon? Then you'll see that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. (laughs) Yeah, that's really great. All the, uh, what did she say? All the other um, applicants or whatever. So are they applicants for the one? Yeah. 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 They're all like in the waiting room waiting yeah. to be called on her to be see if she see if they're the one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and what we what we find out in the sequels is that there are other ships like the Nebuchadnezzar with other crews. And so maybe those other captains, when they're out doing stuff in the Matrix, they're coming across mm-hmm. yeah. these kids who are sensitive to manipulating the Matrix in some way. And when they find them, they bring them here to to see if what the Oracle has to say. I wonder what their recruitment is for finding this people. This is all very uh, Clone Wars, <laughs> by the way. How they recruit yeah. people like uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Switch and Joey. They found Morpheus. They mm-hmm. are hackers. Everybody on the Nebuchadnezzar, sure. including like the yeah. young kid, Mouse, they're all computer hackers, programmers somehow. So they all, you know, they were able to, you know, manipulate the internet and computers and all that to get to a certain level and i think these like captains like morpheus see that they cast this net and they're like who out there has the skill set to like crack what you know what's going on mm-hmm. and so i think that's kind of the idea right well and during all of this that's happening the uh, Joey, I, I want to call him Joey Pants. Joey cause, Pants, because that's his that's his nickname. <laughs> Joey Pants. Joey uh, Pantoliano. Pantoliano, really good in this movie, and later reunited with Carrie Ann Moss and Memento. Even though I don't think that they have any scenes together, oh, um, yeah, he's yeah. kind of uh, his journey of you know the real world is overrated. I'd rather sell y'all out and just be in the Matrix. He's the turncoat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The scene where he's eating a steak with Agent Smith. I'm sure that was. Just eating steak over and over again was a great... <laughs> and he knows that it's fake, but he just doesn't care. He doesn't yep. give a shit. Ignorance yeah. is bliss. Get me yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, you know, the Oracle tells Neo that he's not the one. Mm-hmm. But Did then, you believe it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah, but we find out that that was all he needed to hear, and uh, he actually was the one. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a switcheroo. She tells them what the yeah it, it doesn't matter. And that she was... knew that she, he was still on his journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She wasn't going to do this like the easy way. He had to do it the hard way. Yeah, and we yeah. find out too that in the third movie, anyway, that the one is a is a reoccurring thing in the Matrix. Right, like they they keep like the Oracle's program is just made to find the one. And then it just starts over and over and over again. Right. Who's going to get them out of that iteration? Yeah, yeah. He's the one that's he's the one that's for this for this current yeah, uh, iteration yeah. of the Matrix. Um, so Joey Pants at the beginning of this like intro into into the Matrix to talk to the Oracle. He like sets up this tracking program for the for the agents. It's this huge ambush, big action sequence. Morpheus gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they start pulling everybody out, they pull out Cypher, Joey Pants' Cypher. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Pull out Cypher first. Bad idea. And he goes and, like, uses his laser gun. I love the, like, the weaponry in this. <laughs> they tell you when it is. It's, like, 2155 or something. And something they're just, like, like that, yeah. Plasma weapons, very like crude, you know, um, <laughs> plasma discharge type of weapons. Even the Nebuchadnezzar is just kind of just a bucket of bolts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It is falling apart at the seams. And by the end of this movie, I don't even know how it's still flying. It is like, <laughs> yeah, it is ripped apart. A full hole ripped in it. Yeah. So whenever Multiple. I see Joey Pants in a movie, I remember reading in Rob Lowe's book where he wrote about doing a TV show with, with him mm-hmm. and he has an earpiece that his assistant feeds him all of his lines. Love it. So oh, I'm always kind of looking for an earpiece whenever Joe is on screen. <laughs> He's always and I was standing al- with his like his face to the left or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was I remember reading in Best Movie Year Ever, the 1999 book, that um, he got a liposuction job on with Warner picking up the bill for the like, Matrix for this movie, yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think that you get a good shot of his body in the entire movie that yeah. you can really show <laughs> off this lipo job. But I just, I just think that's kind of funny. Yeah, that's really. Weird. <laughs> it's like I love that. I'll do your movie, but you're gonna pay for my lipo. You're gonna pay for my tummy tuck. He's that kind of an actor, I guess. The medical bills must have been sky high in general for this movie because they. I know Neo like broke his hip doing choreography. Kennedy's broke his neck mm-hmm. doing this movie. Oh when you God. watch the special features, he's wearing a neck brace half the time. Yeah, and I remember watching it on my VHS, and you know they don't really talk too much in depth about it, but he's wearing this neck brace as he's doing a lot of the. You know, stunt choreography. Training. A lot of his stunts had to be cut around it, and you never really see Neo kick. Yep. They yep. sort of had to choreograph everything around that. Yeah, there's one scene mm-hmm. at the very end when he when he beats Agent Smith. He kicks and kind of swings his legs slowly over and then down, mm-hmm. and that's like the only major kick you really see. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Did Carrie Ann Moss get hurt? I don't remember. I don't know that I I'm not sure that she did. Yeah, I'm not sure that she did. Because she's pristine and perfect. Yes. I mean <laughs> I mean the fight choreography in this movie also just revolutionized action movies and how you shot them. Yeah. yeah. That these yeah. were not how Hollywood usually photographed fighting. Totally, yeah. Well, I guess that that we could talk about bullet time too. Is just like yeah. <laughs> um, they it, they got the inspiration from like Japanese, um, I think not just anime but diff- just different action movies. Um, mm-hmm. But they they I think revolutionized the idea of putting a bank of cameras in an arc around a scene and then filming yeah. it, filming it in real time. But it's like slow motion, uh, almost stop motion as it goes around the subjects. Um, yeah. It, just so crazy which of course as we talked about earlier uh was parodied over and over and over yeah, again in the early 2000s and... <laughs> yeah still and looks pretty cool i mean it, it does, does still look yeah. really cool yeah the, and uh the choreographer for this movie was yuan Wu Ping, who did um crouching tiger hidden dragon as well mm-hmm. and charlie's angels right after this movie well it's actually his son that did charlie's Angels. oh sure okay it's it's his son that did charlie's angels but the but that's the thing that i was gonna say you know before this movie action movies that had fighting and hand-to-hand fighting it was just a very like street fight kind of a situation people just punching and kicking and all that and after this it was just martial arts Mm -hmm. everywhere yeah everything was just martial arts i mean and then along came the born identity where it was a little more raw handheld cameras kind of putting you in the scene yeah that's like like a that's like a whole other thing yeah yeah that almost like was like a krav maga mma style right (laughs) yes and but didn't the born identity also give us like parkour yeah. Or is that Bond? Yeah. I think they think, also, it's, yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. A little yeah, bit of both. Yeah, because he's just yeah. constantly running through through Paris or whatever, <laughs> yes. like a European city of some sort. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But um, also, didn't the cast on this movie train for something like four or six months, or you know, mm-hmm. just of the martial arts training? Time. Yeah. It was a long time. But, you know, what you get from that is Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne in camera fighting each other. Yes. Yeah. It you doesn't know? look like it doesn't look and, like it's shot with doubles, and it looks yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's wild. That yeah, that scene where they first go into the dojo simulation is yeah. just like yeah, so crazy. I know kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like during the initial woe when we were watching it last night, I I was I must have just been like looking at my phone, or both of us were not even paying attention because we laughed at the I know kung fu, but we didn't even catch the woe. Whoa. When Whoa. when Morpheus jumps across <laughs> multiple like buildings. <laughs> um it's that damn phone. We have to be plugged into the Matrix, which is our phone. I know. Second screen. We can't just watch a movie. Be looking at something. <laughs> Jesus. But um Okay, so Morpheus is captured. They can't pull him out of the Matrix because he's like his mind is captured by them or something. So they mm-hmm. have to go in and like save him. So then we get the big, you know, trench coat, you know, building lobby shootout situation. Yep. And I don't think that anybody wears trench coats as good as these two. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, so it never works. It has to be Keanu and Carrie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, I mean, the black sunglasses, too. This oh, is like yes. their, the their classic sunglasses. outfit when you think of the Matrix. 
it's like mm-hmm. on the the you know cover of the film is them wearing these outfits yeah in this oh yeah scene. and then i mean the matrix sunglasses are were back like mm-hmm. last year yeah, it was like, yeah people are wearing you them couldn't again. go anywhere without seeing those little skinny little sunglasses oh, they are all over brooklyn yes yes yeah yes. So I was reading that the lobby shootout took 10 days to shoot, and outside of the wire work, all of the effects were practical. Oh, man. There's surprisingly limited digital shots. Yeah. There. You can see that. Mm-hmm. That's, That's wild, because the, the walls are just exploding yep. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it must have been a bitch to reset. And uh, yeah. I was also uh. reading that Carrie's big flip, they got that in the first take. Oh, wow. Damn. Yep. She like flips like a like clockwise. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't even yeah. know how they do that. Uh, Keanu does a triple kick in that one though, where he jumps up, and they copied in Charlie's Angels, and <laughs> Cameron <laughs> Diaz does it, and it looks really cool. Um, so, but again, this is something that has kind of been co opted, and I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna comment, you know, put in too much like my two cents about. The types of people that wear a trench coat in their everyday life. Well, also a very – I mean, we we won't get into it too much, but, I mean, Columbine was April, and this came out at the end of March. So Yeah, there was a big um, mm-hmm. sort of uh, panic about The Matrix for a little bit. Um, similarly, yeah. the, with Marilyn Manson as well, with Columbine, mm-hmm. because of the outfits that the shooters wore. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, creeps have been wearing trench coats since long this before is true. the Matrix. Totally, yeah, so. it's, it, like, <laughs> and Marilyn Manson was around before then, and he's around mm-hmm. now. You know, yeah, it's yeah. it's a classic thing that America does is it creates a boogeyman, and they try oh, to do it with yeah. the Matrix, and it didn't really work. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like you you watch this scene and you're just like, oh my god, this is brutal. They're just like murdering all these <laughs> security guards. But it's like it's they're in the Matrix, and you know, it's like uh, any of the the situation is when they're in there and the agents are after them. The agents can jump into anybody's body that's yeah. around them. So if they're if there's another person in the room, they got to get the hell out. So right, they right. need to get through all these people. So <laughs> it's it's you know, it's kind of brutal, but it's I don't know, it's maybe video game logic. Yeah. They're just being practical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when you watch to save the world, when you watch like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies from the 80s like Commando, yeah. I would almost argue that Movies like that are way more violent than The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Matrix is violent as in, like, hand-to-hand combat. There's not really... There's, like... The blood you do see is, like, they get punched in the mouth or something. It's not really that violent as far as that goes. Yeah, it's not not gory or graphic or anything like that. Yeah. Um, When we do get up to the rooftop... There is like the big money shot of the movie. Oh yes, of Keanu, you know, with the, the trench coat time. and the bullet time, the bullet time shot. That. I yeah. think it's so cool that at the time that they could pull off putting Keanu shooting Keanu's scenes on a green screen stage and then photographing the top of the building and dropping them in, and it looks like it's all on camera. Yeah, it looks legitimate. Like it, it looks yeah, pretty it's seamless. Good. This isn't like the room. There was quite a bit of green screen work in this movie, and and it all looks so real. Like they did a great yeah. job with that for sure. We also get the classic Trinity dodge this in this scene. Uh, the, yes, the, love that. The agent's Throwing about to kill Neo, and she walks up behind the agent and puts a gun to his head and says, "Dodge this," and kills him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I always thought it was really cool. Uh, these these scenes leading up to you know when they get the helicopter she like she hijacks this helicopter the helicopter is crashing she jumps out it's like this crazy like shot this crazy effects thing she's like on this chain he's like pulling this rope up the side of the building and that's when like morpheus looks and he's like oh shit he is the one yeah yeah (laughs) there's no doubting it now and i think they also There's a cut scene in this too where they're all watching the code back on the Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, and they're yeah. like, "Whoa!" Like they, yeah. everyone kind of figures out at this point that he's the one. Yeah. Okay, this is right. Yeah. So back when we could still go to movie theaters, when they did the 20 year re-release of this movie in Dolby, oh, wow. I remember watching this scene in the movie theater, yeah. the helicopter scene, and just being like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. This yeah. movie holds up. It really does. The, the like way that the glass ripples in the building as it explodes mm-hmm. is just, it's crazy. It really holds up for sure. And this one, did this win the uh, it Academy won, Award for It editing? won pretty much all of the technical, technical awards. awards. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to say about the 1999 Academy Awards and how a lot of the best work <laughs> was not really, was, did not really get nominated yeah. or win. But The Matrix won all of the technical awards. The sound categories, best film editing, which editing, is yeah. usually the best picture winner. Oh, like hint, hint. If you're doing your if you're doing your Oscar ballads, that usually is what wins editing, but not always. Um, and also visual effects. But well, yeah, The Matrix didn't seem like it would ever make best picture just because of genre bias. It's a right. sci- yeah, being a sci-fi movie, they just weren't going to give it to it, which is just sucks. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah. nominate. The Green Mile and Cider House rolls yeah. over the Matrix. <laughs> right. Oh and yeah, so that's kind of when stuff like the Academy Awards is just out of touch in yeah. the grand in like the grand picture of what are the movies that are going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also again, they just did not expect the movie to do or be as good as it was. Um yeah. Yeah, and, and they were like, "Oh, well, uh Cider House rolls still. We're going to nominate that instead." <laughs> Oh man, um, we got to talk about the big subway face-off with yeah. Agent Smith. So yeah. I read in some of my research that um, I think it was Lana that when she was kind of going through it, when Lana was a a man, that she tried to commit suicide. Oh, wow. uh, oh yeah, on a subway track. That's right. Yeah, there, she has a speech with the HRC. That's mm-hmm. really great. Um, and yeah, she tells that story and she almost, a man basically distracts her long enough to prevent her from, from jumping in front of the train. Yeah. And this is a big moment for Neo Mm because this is when he's sort of reached, um, like the one. Yeah. This is when it all really like comes together for Neo. So I think that's pretty interesting that it happens on a subway track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that, but that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. In this scene, Morpheus and Trinity uh, use a payphone down in the subway station to get out. And right before Trinity goes, she says uh, that the, she was going to tell, tell Neo that the Oracle told her that she was going to fall in love with the one, but then Mm -hmm. right when she tries to an agent, takes over a homeless man that's sleeping next to the phone booth and shoots the phone before he can get to it. And that's where it begins. Yep. And he says, my name is Neo. 
Well, when he keeps calling him Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my yeah. name is Neo. My name yeah. is Neo. Yeah, more of that dead naming thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this is Neo's final like showdown. He's got to make his way out. He's got to just run like hell to get to another phone somewhere. And they're like, it's across town. Just sprint. Just run away from them. Finally gets there. Opens the door. Agent Smith is inside. Mm-hmm. Shoots him like 20 times. Yep. And all this is going on at the same time as these like flying squid robots are like tearing apart mm-hmm. the Nebuchadnezzar in the real world. And they can't use their only defense, which is an electromagnetic pulse, because Neo's still strapped into the Matrix. And if they do it, it'll fry his brain. Yep. So they got to bring him out. <laughs> he's shot like 10 times. He's dying. And Trinity kind of kisses him back to life. The Oracle told me that I would fall in love and that that man, the man that I loved, would be the one. So you see, you can't be dead. You can't be. Fully just like stands up. Mm-hmm. I like he, the. I, I, he like absorbs uh, Agent Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do like it though when she's like, get up. <laughs> like she screams at him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he stops the bullets because that was a thing that he talked to Morpheus about. He was like, you need to be faster. You need to be faster. And he says, am I going <laughs> to dodge bullets? And Morpheus says, you won't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yep. he just stops him midair. Yeah. So he jumps into Agent Smith, explodes him from the inside out, jumps on the phone call, gets sucked back in. They're able to use the pulse and destroy the robots. Yep. The electric squeeze are done. Yeah. And then uh, it just kind of cuts to... Neo on the phone. It's this like uh, voiceover of him talking to somebody. I mean, they're still fighting the man. <laughs> so I think this phone call that Neo is making is to somebody that yes. they are going to mm-hmm. wake up. Right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think so too. They're still they're still sticking it to the man. <laughs> yeah, they're still doing it, making it work. Rage Against the Machine is playing in the background, and that's what leads us out. And Neo flies away. <laughs> He's super- <laughs> Superman flies away. Does he fly in the sequels? Yes. Yeah, he does. I, I have yeah. I, I have zero memory of Reloaded, and I've never seen Revolution. So yeah, it's like his main thing is he flies around. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is the type of ending that like a trilogy of movies would work up to. 
And we got it, and we got it all in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it also the movie just sort of stands alone. Like I think it was Pete saying earlier, like if it was just the Matrix, it would it would be mm-hmm. fine by itself. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like the other movies kind of go so big just because they really did so much in this movie that they're like, okay, we need to like now top these or top it or kind of show why we needed to make a trilogy to kind of explain the whole story, but they, they really are so much bigger in scope Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. this movie. But, um, but yeah, this one really does stand alone. You don't, we don't see his butt until, uh, reloaded though <laughs> i think it's reloaded when that happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got his little he's got his finally has a sex scene with trinity <laughs> isn't there like a like an orgy rave there scene? is yeah well, there's like a I rave mean... happening in the cave next door in zion <laughs> oh, of course yes <laughs> their little cave bedroom yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah not what i expected zion to look like but hey yeah yeah <laughs> Again, it could be its own episode, the sequels for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. We're 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 not going to get too deep at all into into any of that. But, kind of um, wrapping up, the movie definitely is a very big allegory for transgender empowerment. But really, all of the LGBT community can relate to the journey that Neo goes on. Yeah. Is the Matrix like the prison that we all were? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. or that just kind of the expectation of having to be straight. Right, yeah, that the simulation is just that we're all being forced to live in this life, and you know it it's harder for some to break out of it than others, but it's like a it's it definitely is a relatable thing for sure for a lot of people for a lot of queer people, definitely, yeah, and Trinity says the matrix cannot tell you who you are mm-hmm. when they're in the car on the way to um the oracle the oracle, right, mm-hmm. yep. And the tr- uh, the Matrix also cannot let you use contractions when you are inside of it, because there are no apostrophes in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue is very specific. You cannot use contractions yeah. while you're inside. Um, yeah, as Mat- as Morpheus tells Neo on the rooftop after the helicopter scene, the difference uh, is between knowing the path and walking the path. And that's like coming out mm. the end. Ah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay. See, you know, I just thought it was like the fashions and like <laughs> <laughs> and cute Keanu, but there's so yeah. much more to this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of layers in this story going on. For sure. And I think to this day, I feel like most just your average like straight movie watcher fan of the matrix is kind of blissfully unaware of like totally. what's going on i mean that's know? why all the the you know there's all those people with the red pill stuff you know mm-hmm. just... yeah they missed the point entirely yeah. yes exactly <laughs> and you know i remember at the time like i said uh the wachowskis were very they were notoriously private right mm-hmm. you didn't see a lot about they didn't grant a lot of interviews anything like they didn't want to be celebrities they wanted the work to speak for itself mm-hmm. but what you did see was that they were just kind of like average re- you know regular looking people they did they weren't flashy they just had like backwards baseball caps and flannels and mm-hmm. they're just directing these movies but then every now and then you heard something crazy. You were like, oh, and then the one has like a, a dominatrix and then all the and all this stuff starts coming out. And then you're just like, OK, but whatever. Like, who cares? It's fine. Dominatrix. 
And it's interesting that, uh, you know, you mentioned the HRC uh, speech that mm-hmm. Lana gave. And I think that's really that like the first time that the two of them decided, okay, I, I may not want to, you know, be a public person, but now that they are both, you know, trans and they're very visible, they, it's kind of like they kind of had this idea, this thought that they did kind of owe it to the community, yeah. the trans community mm-hmm. to kind of speak up because yeah, you kind of gain this responsibility that, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Or this sense of responsibility anyways. Yeah. But it's still hard to find out, you know, information about the two. I was like, it's because I know that Lana remained married to her wife for mm-hmm. years after she transitioned. And, and I was just like, are they still married? I don't know. Like it's not, it's not readily available. You know, it's yeah. not just like personal life. They're notoriously private. And I think even mm-hmm. when Lily came out as trans, um, she didn't want, I don't think she intended to do it publicly, but a reporter mm-hmm. like um, essentially outed her in an article. And I don't remember which publication oh. it was, but that right. wasn't that long ago. That was like in 2000. 15 or 2016 yeah and lana i believe is solely directing the fourth matrix movie although i would assume that lily probably has a good input of what is going to be in the movie Mm -hmm. but a lot of um a lot of the matrix 4 is kind of a mystery nobody really knows the story of it yeah yeah i was trying to really hard to find some stuff but it's pretty bare bones on the internet right now I kind of have a theory that it could be an alternate reality of Neo takes the blue pill. <laughs> yeah. And then you just sort of see this path and then it eventually catches up with him and he ends up being the chosen one anyways. But who knows? Yeah, that could be. Uh... Yeah, because I don't even know if it's if it's an actual direct sequel or if it's just sort of mm-hmm. in the... Another Matrix. Yeah, yeah, in the universe of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. So Because like I feel like even like Lawrence Fishburne is not confirmed right i think he's not just yeah he won't be yeah yeah which is like that's a bummer yeah that's a bummer yeah (laughs) so for sure but i mean i'm excited i i I trust that it 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 can be something well it's going to be streaming on hbo max (laughs) yeah because that's the direction of the industry now who cares as long as i get to see it yeah and look at this cast jessica henwick from game of thrones and underwater jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris. That's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Is it going to be a musical? They got <laughs> Jada Jada Pinkett back. <laughs> okay, I'm not mad at Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. I love Jada Pinkett's Beth. Yeah, I love. I kind of love Jada Pinkett. I know mm-hmm. she's kind of a like a loudmouth, and maybe people think she might be a little annoying, but I think she's fun. I like- yeah. Well, in the in the sequels too, she's really great. Her, yeah, her character is great, Niobe. And uh, for me, you know, my introduction to Jada Pinkett was a different world, and I really loved her character Lena on, on a different world. So I think that's I why I kind of have this affinity. I always for forget her. that she was a child actress because as a kid, uh-huh. I watched her on this oh, show, and yeah, right. I just really liked her because um, I loved a different world. Oh my god! So we did not watch Sense Eight, but I know that Sense Eight yeah. has its has Netflix. a big following behind it. Yes, it yeah. does. And yeah. Pete and I are weird apologists for Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> I actually have we not think it's, seen it. We think it's kind of cool. It's pretty yeah. dumb. It's not anywhere of the level of, like, the Matrix. It definitely doesn't but, have the following. Hey, yeah. we no. think it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's beautiful, I, I haven't seen Jupiter Ascending. I I liked V for Vendetta. Um, I thought it was fine. I think they, And they wrote V for Vendetta. They did not direct it. Oh, right. They didn't direct it. They wrote yep. it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they also did another movie that I did not see, which was... Um, 
Speed Racer, the live action. I was going to say, we we have yet to talk about Speed Racer. (laughs) And Speed Racer is its own other episode because that movie is cuckoo bananas. Yeah, that's what I hear, that it's just all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I still don't get it. (laughs) And I've never been that big of a fan of Cloud Atlas. I know that it it has its big supporters, which uh, I think is great, but it was never really my thing. Yeah, the book is 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 a huge thing, and it just to mm-hmm. to try and make that into one movie is just it, it is an undertaking. And sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I, I like Jupiter Ascending. It's beautiful. It's goofy. <laughs> it sort of recycles uh, the chosen one prophet, mm-hmm. but it's Mila Kunis this time, and it's Mila Kunis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And uh, but it's it's like if you love sci-fi and if you love like '80s sci-fi, it has a very Flash Gordon feel. Also, it's it. an original sci-fi movie, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's an original IP, which is you don't see that a lot lately. Yeah, I need to. See I it. feel like in our community, we kind of take what a trailblazer both Lana and Lily are. But yeah, mm-hmm. they are two director, two tr- out and trans directors of major Hollywood movies. Yeah, totally. That's quite an accomplishment. And they've maintained their own um, sort of. Uh, they get to do what they want, essentially. Like yeah. they they are just given a blank check for a lot of the, a lot of these movies, and um, that's it, yeah, they have a huge respect for sure. So. Yeah. Well, I think we did it. Like did Sasha it, Bell, <laughs> we cracked the code. We cracked. Yeah, we, we cracked the code, y'all. Yeah, we're we're in the real world now. Love oh it. man. <laughs> Just have to wear these tattered rags all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just really want my cool <laughs> Matrix leather pants. <laughs> I don't know what like my Matrix outfit would be. I don't know. They don't look very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like especially for fighting and martial arts, it doesn't oh, seem like yeah. it's very practical. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always maintain I could never be goth. I just run hot. I would just like, sweaty. <laughs> all that vinyl and PVC. I would just uh, no. I can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it, <laughs> but yeah, I think we, I think we cracked the code. I think we, um, we made it through. I mean, there's so much to be said about the Matrix that we haven't even touched on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. in our in our limited time, I think we, I think we got through a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of surprised that this wasn't on my original outline yeah. and uh, kind of I thought it was long list of movies that yeah. I didn't have the Matrix. Hmm. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, kind of, this is the seventh movie from the year 1999 that we've done. I know. Isn't, it's like just <laughs> it, a golden year. Yeah. It's a lot of good stuff. And I feel it. like this is just sort of like we were just building up to The Matrix. Yeah. We were building up to this episode <laughs> with our 1999 movies. Our yeah. last one that we did was The Mummy. Okay. Oh, that was a great right. episode. Yeah. I actually, I, what made me think of The Matrix was y'all did Drop Dead Gorgeous. It was a great episode. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that made me think, I was like, oh, the Matrix came out that year as well. <laughs> Drop Dead Gorgeous and Dick, released summer of 99. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, we definitely recommend everybody to go out and watch The Matrix again if you haven't seen it in a while. It um, has to be streaming on HBO Max. This is like a major Warner movie. I think I'm it sure is it is. It's, yeah. it's on um, Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah. So, it's readily available out there. Or you can just dig up your old VHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we definitely re- recommend giving it a rewatch. And uh, tell us tell us if you love the sequels. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the comp. We well, thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks for coming this on. Was this was great. so much Thank fun. So, much. This was so really uh, yes. 
Drew and I went to high school with each other, and we <laughs> studied at the same uh, college program at the University mm-hmm. of Montana. We were both radio and television majors. I was a year ahead of Drew. So, yeah. Yep, Look at me putting my RTV degree to good work. Yeah, it all comes full circle. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Undergrad in high school, for sure. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We hope to uh, have you on again sometime in the future. Yes. yes. That would be great. But, We'd love that. All right. All right. Lovely. Bye, well, until y'all. then, we'll see you all next right. time. Bye, Bye, Drew. Good night. Bye. And thank you so much for listening, everybody. That was a fun episode. The yeah. Matrix. It was a good one. Well, uh, it's time for some shout outs. Just like at the end of every episode, we've got some fun Patreon shout outs. Patreon shout outs. Hello to, so let's say hi to Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, M, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica. John, Nick, Christine, Rafino, and Mitch. Thank you for being a friend. We just recorded a new Watch With Us Watch With Us commentary on Empire Records. Yes, we did. And if did. you join Patreon, you can you can check those out. You can get access to our Watch With Us commentary tracks. You can put in the movie, press play on the commentary, and listen to us gab nonstop. Tons of fun. We would love it if you would rate and review our show. Give us five stars. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and write us a fun review. Oh, we just got a new review. I'll read it aloud. It started with one podcast episode. Then, before I knew it, I was downloading them left and right. These guys are funny. Destiny R. Thank you, Destiny. Thank you, Destiny. That's so sweet. Yes, we love you. We hope we're uh, keeping up the funny and uh, come back and listen to more episodes. But, yeah, everybody go out and write us a review. We'll read it on the air. Follow us on Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And Instagram. And Instagram. And Twitter at MTMUGpod. Yes, indeed. You can find me, Pete, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Peter Lasagna. I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter and Scott Youngballer on Instagram. And follow me on Letterboxd. See what I'm watching. Yes, indeed. Well, we will see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.